Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Thank you so much, Destiny Church. It's an honor to be with you today and uh, to be with Rife, a dear friend and brother. And uh, everything that's going on in my life now has a lot of roots in my relationship with Rife and prayers and prophecy and encouragement and strength through years of praying and seeking God. So to be with you and and the church uh, that Rife leads is a great honor and privilege for me today just to share with you. And on Graduate Sunday, I'm excited also to share a message, uh, the kingdom in your life. Uh, and I want to talk to you today, our ministry is Kingdom Bridges, uh, but I'm, I'm a preacher at heart, and so um, I'm not here just to tell you about the ministry. You can get all of that on my website, social media, and places like that. I want to minister the word to you today and give you the heart of what Kingdom Bridges is all about, which is the kingdom. And so I want to talk to you about the kingdom in your life. And kind of ironic on graduation day, I think many Christians kind of see the kingdom like uh, I saw, and many high school students going into college see math. And immediately, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. All right, when you're a high school student, and I was a high school student, but my daughter and I had this discussion just a few months ago, about the subject of math. And she said, Dad, this stuff's just not practical. It just doesn't relate to my life, you know? Uh, why do I need to take it? Anybody remember those discussions? All right, everybody. That's a standing thing with math. I thought the same thing until I got to college. And I realized something about math. The people who study math make money. <laughs> okay? I went to college and I'm like... People study, I mean, it's great to study English, history, psychology, and a lot of various other uh, disciplines that you might study. But when I got to college, I was like, wait, the people going out and getting jobs and big jobs and big money are all studying math. And so when my daughter had this conversation with me, dad, you know, this stuff's not practical. It doesn't get to my life. I said, Alexis, let me tell you something about practicality. When you get a job one day, do you want to have a good check or a bad check? I said, I hope you want a good check because that's one of the reasons you work, you know. And I said, I'll tell you this about math. Everybody may tell you about that, but people who study math make some good checks. So you might not write it off so quickly as not being so practical or real to your life. Now, that's what I think a lot of Christians think about the kingdom. It's kind of like math. They're like, Oh, man, that's for the theologians. Kingdom, what is that about? How does that connect to my life? It, 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 we think of it like a lot of high school students do math. Is it relevant? Is it practical? Look, I'm going to tell you this. All the riches of Jesus are connected to his kingdom in your life. All the promises of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus is all connected to, to, get this, your understanding of the kingdom and your operation within the kingdom. And so I hope it's not a subject that we kind of push to the outer edges of the Christian life 
for a rare group of people who may want to study deeper, think deeper. It is practical. It is real. It is personal. It has a deep meaning to your experience of life. And everything that Jesus wants to do in your life is connected to his kingdom and his kingdom coming in you and through you or within you and without you. Just take, for instance, the New Testament, the teaching of Jesus. Do you know what was the most important teaching to Jesus Christ? It's, it's, it's above every other teaching. You can peruse the Gospels and it will just jump out. It's the kingdom. Jesus started his ministry. You know his first message was? Repent. Why? Because the kingdom is at hand. Not long after that, Jesus gathers all the disciples and his followers to what has got to be the most important teaching in the New Testament. Why? Because it's the only teaching in the New Testament that from beginning to end we have the whole message of Jesus. Not excerpts, not a piece here, not a piece there. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' entire message in one teaching. And what is it about? The kingdom of God. The Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. You remember those? Why are they blessed? For theirs is the kingdom. And Matthew chapter 6, when he taught us to pray in the middle. You remember the middle of the Sermon on the Mount? The Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's our prayer. The Lord's Prayer is John 17. That's where he prays. In Matthew 6, he teaches us how to pray. And in the middle of that, in verse 10, we're to pray thy Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that's our prayer. We're supposed to pray that. That's what he wants for our life. The end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. You know, every miracle, we love the miracles of Jesus. You know why Jesus did the miracles? Because he could? No. If that's what it was about, he would have done a million. This verse in the Bible says, Jesus said, if by the finger of God I defeat Satan, you know the kingdom has come upon you. So every miracle act of Jesus was for the purpose that we would know that the kingdom has come upon us. Parables. All of his parables are kingdom parables. Lost coin, yeast, mustard seed, the parable of the talents, kingdom. And if you don't believe it, if all that hasn't swayed you to the importance of it, death, burial, resurrection. 40 days he spends with his followers. The last 40 days he's physically with them on earth. He doesn't spend it doing miracles. He doesn't spend it teaching about Many subjects he could have taught. For 40 days, the Bible says he taught about what? The kingdom. The kingdom. And in Revelations, when it all ends and we have the, first, the picture of our first encounter in eternity with Christ, it's at a kingdom banquet. Kingdom and your life. It's important. It's vital. As a matter of fact, to Jesus, it was not just a subject he taught. It was the framework for every subject he taught. You can't understand 
Jesus and his plans and his teaching for your life apart from the kingdom because it was the framework for which everything rested upon. And sometimes we treat it like math. Doesn't have any application in my life. Why do I need to study that? It has every application to your life. It's at the heart of what Jesus wants to do in your life. So today I want us to break it down and I want to bring it down to your life and my life to where we can live it, experience it, and really see it take place in our lives. Matthew 6, This is one verse. Graduates, when I was in high school, someone spoke this at our graduate recognition day. Monica and I were there in Mobile at Moffat Road Baptist Church. And this is, I knew then, I was like, this, this verse is my life verse. This is, this is awesome. I remember them saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Because I was looking at life at 18 like a lot of you are. Like, whoa, there's a lot of things out here, right? I mean, you know, college, decisions, future, relationships, all this stuff was before me. I remember a guy speaking on this. I was like, wow, what a promise. You mean there's something I can do and I can pursue where everything in my life that I'm looking at will be added to me? I wasn't too smart at 18, but I said, I want that. And at 18, I started a pursuit of Jesus based on that verse where I said, if that's the promise of that verse and I'm looking at my life and I didn't know what I was going to study in college, I didn't know when Monica and I were going to get married, I didn't know how I was going to make a living, I was new at all this and life was before me and I was like, whoa, look at this. And I heard this verse and I was like, wow. Yes, Jesus. But the key is the kingdom. The kingdom. This is where the kingdom comes to your life, to your world, and to your living. And let's break it down verse by verse, word by word, and let's see the kingdom come in our lives. And when you do, life will never be the same. Life will never be the same. So let's repeat the verse together. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. We're going to start with seek first the kingdom. This is the kingdom priority. The kingdom priority. When we think about the kingdom priority um, and we look to seek first and the kingdom priority, this is your will. Your will is, when you, the word seek is powerful. What you seek dominates your life ultimately. Because what you seek is what you choose in and of yourself to pursue from your will, from your heart. When you seek things, that has power over you. And you seek that which you are passionate about, which you desire. I can tell you more about a person when I can find out what it is they seek. Not what they have to do, but what they want to do. When they get alone, when they get by themselves, when they get the opportunity to initiate their will, their search, their seek, it's a scary thought. I don't want to get into this, but I could look at your Google search and tell a lot about who you are. Because you choose to search that. You choose to seek that. And what you choose to seek is really what you worship. What is worship? It's seeking. 
So much we think about worship from here to there, and that's a part of it. But right, what incredible! By the way, what an incredible time of worship! Thank you, man. I was blessed so much by that. But worship doesn't just go from here to there. Worship ultimately goes from here to here. And what they do from here to there is for the purpose. And we miss this sometimes. Sometimes people are looking and judging worship from here to here. That's misguided. What is done here, these folks are serving you to escort you into worship, not so the relationship would be here, but if it's successful, the relationship goes here. You know, where I'm seeking Jesus, I'm pursuing Christ in worship, but that's not just here, it's also out there. I initiate my will. I seek you, Lord. I want you, Lord. If I have you, I have everything. And nothing's more important to me than my search or my seeking of you. And so, Jesus, I seek you first. If the kingdom connects to your life, it connects to your life through seeking first Jesus. Now, I'm the kind of person when I teach and I, I do things, I just don't want to put principles out and move on before I feel like we've landed it to where we can live it. So I want to take you to some verses in Ephesians that puts this on the ground. If you say, I want to seek first the kingdom, I want that. Here's what it means to seek first the kingdom. Ephesians lays it out in a prayer that's very beautiful and powerful in Ephesians 3, 14. Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And here's his prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches that you that he you may be strengthened he may strengthen you with power through his spirit where in your inner being in your inner being now it says so that Christ I have this highlighted and we're going to come to this that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted, established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how deep and long and high is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What a beautiful prayer. That you may be filled. And see that little line there. All of this is that you may be filled to the measure of all what? Fullness of God. That's big. All the fullness. Anybody want that? Ooh, what a powerful prayer. And he is, he is able to do what? All. And not just all, but exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. Now this is where seeking gets real. This is where seeking takes place. I want to lay, just think of this prayer Uh, If you want to pray this over your life and you could read this daily and pray this over your life, what a blessing that in your inner being that you would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit on the inside. What happens when you are strengthened from the inside in your inner being that the Holy Spirit, well, Christ will dwell in your heart through faith. You will be rooted. You will be established. You will feel how wide and how deep is the love of Christ. And you'll be filled to the full measure of God. Wow. What an incredible 
incredible promise. Now, how does this happen? And this all goes to seeking first. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. This is the key. This is the practicality. This is how it happens. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How do you get the fullness of God? How do you experience the beauty of the depth, the height, and the love of Jesus? All of this is seeking first his kingdom. It's tied in verse 17. The word dwell is home. And verse 17 is saying this, make your heart Christ's home. And when you, in your heart, in your depth of your being, make Jesus at home, then you are seeking first the kingdom. And then you are experiencing being rooted, established, grounded, the love of Christ. That's becoming real to you. But it comes to those who make their heart a place where Christ is at home to dwell. Now let me give you an illustration of this. We have a, a saying in the South that I remember and we say this when people come to our house. We say, make yourself at, okay, make yourself at home. Now we say that, but if I came to your house today, and most of you, there's a few of you I've been in your house before, but most of you I've never been in your house before. So if I go in your house for the first time, and you say, make yourself at home, and I go, okay, I take my shoes off, I run to your refrigerator, I open it up, I get my favorite drink and I get in your pantry and I get my favorite cookie and I go sit down on your uh, favorite recliner, couch, sofa, kick it back up and say, hey, what channel can I turn the NBA game sevens on for today? Now, how many of you would be a little uncomfortable if I did that? <laughs> Come on, every one of you would be uncomfortable. Hey, who is this guy? I'd never been to my house before. He's got my favorite chair. He broke into my pantry and got my last two cookies I had. I didn't want to watch the NBA game sevens today. That would be weird. Why? Because in reality, you may say, make yourself at home, but the truth is, I've never had a relationship with you and I've never really connected with you. And it's pretty weird for me to act that way if we hadn't had a relationship established. But now if I go to my brother's house, I do exactly what I just told you. And nobody in the house thinks anything other about it because we know each other. Now this verse is saying that you need to make your heart that kind of home for Jesus. where you can sit down with Jesus on the inside, take your shoes off, kick back, relax, be who you are, and enjoy the relationship and connection with him. That's how you seek first the kingdom. The kingdom will never come without until it comes within. And the kingdom within is making your heart, a dwelling place for Christ. 
where there's a home feeling there. We love home. We love home. Amen. And it's not brick and mortar. It's with the people you love where you can be who you are and they can be who they are and you can have a good time doing that. That's home. And that's what Jesus wants on the inside with you. That's why that verse says, so that you can grasp, think of this, how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. Home. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's making your heart a home for Christ. Now that's our pursuit. That's what it means to seek the kingdom. But second, that verse says, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. And it's righteousness. We're going to move on to his righteousness now. But before we do that, I couldn't resist this picture in Revelations 3. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door. And he's talking about heart and knock. And he's talking to his church. And his church is us. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come in with him. And will sup with him and he with me. I use the old King James for that because I love that word sup. It's not a teenage vernacular like what's up. It's sup. Which Jesus is saying, look, I stand at the door of your heart. I want to make it my home. I want you to sit down with me. And I want us to have a meal together. Share together. And that's the kingdom within. And that invitation is yours every day. And it's the greatest invitation that we've ever had or ever will have. But everything in your life and world will pull against it. Everything will pull against it. For Satan knows this is what is critical for you to experience all that God has for you. The kingdom within. Seek first his kingdom. Now, secondly, his righteousness. That's our pursuit. The ministry of doors. To get this about the ministry of righteousness, we've got to understand the ministry of doors. And I'm going to move on as quickly as I can here. The ministry of doors, very important in the Bible. And for the, when we seek first the kingdom of God and we begin to make our heart a home for Jesus, there's something that's going to happen that's going to radically change our life. Our heart will begin to be moved by what moves the heart of Jesus. Our heart will begin to be broken by what breaks the heart of Jesus. As soon as you have supped with him, as soon as you begin daily that connection with him where your heart is his home, your life will change. Your mind will change. Your sight will change. And one of the things that really changes is, I say it, you're going to have a righteousness meter that really goes off in you. Meaning you're going to know what's right, what God wants and what God wills and your heart's going to beat for that. And when you walk around in a world that is so wrong, you're going to be bothered by it. And part of the kingdom work of Jesus is the work within. But the work within is so that we go on the work without. And when he moves within, nothing, we're going to move on the outside. 
And that movement's going to be, hey, this is wrong. This is not right. This is not of God. That meter's going to go off. And it's going to move in your life and it's going to move you. And what you're going to do to get involved in the kingdom and to operate in the kingdom is you're going to see heaven come to earth in your life. That's your heart. That's your desire. Lord, let me take your righteousness and let me apply it to what's wrong in my world and the things around me. That's how he moves. That's how he's going to direct you. Matthew 6.10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. If Jesus taught me to pray it, then he wants me to live it. I'm not to pray anything that I won't live. And so at the heart of his prayer and purpose for my life is, Lord, that your kingdom in heaven and your rule and your there would happen here and it would happen through me and it would happen now. But the key to that is the ministry of doors. There's a lot wrong in the world. I don't walk a day where I don't have a list of a lot of things that are wrong in the world. Just open your eyes. Open your ears. You guys are going to the beach in a few weeks? Sit on the boardwalk for a little while. Listen. You want to really get an earful? Go on a Friday night and sit and watch and listen. Talk to a Gulf Shores police officer. Go to your local Walmart. Well, heck, you got a large high school right around the corner. There's all kinds of things wrong. How do we know which door, which opportunity? that we walk through. Revelations 3 is the ministry of doors and helps us understand. Verse 7, And to the angel of the church, right, mentioned this, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who is the key of David. Now there's this incredible promise that comes next. We love it, it's powerful, we claim it. Who opens and no one shuts, and who shuts, and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. Hey, folks, this, this, is, this promise is for you, and it's incredible. And I tried, God rocked my world with this. It really led me to where I am today. Many times in our lives as Christians, we look out and go, oh man, my boss controls my destiny. Oh, that college board determines my destiny. Oh, the stock market controls my destiny. Look, there's only one person who controls your destiny and it's Jesus. And Jesus said what he opens for you, no one can shut. And what he shuts for you, no one can open. Never give your destiny away to another person, to a market, to any fickle thing in this world. You hold on to Jesus in this promise. But there's a descriptive to this promise that we miss. And I've missed it for a long time. I love the promise, but there's this little say, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, the words of the Holy One True has the key of David. The key of David. What is the key of David. Well, David sat on a throne, and any time David's mentioned in the Bible, it has to do with king. He's always known as King David. 
and he sat on the throne of Israel at the height of its empire and its dominance in the world. And David became a messianic figure who was a forerunner to a king who would sit on another throne that would never end. And that king is Jesus. So here's the connection. The connection to this promise that is ours, what God opens, no one shuts. What God closes, no one opens. is connected to our operation within the kingdom. Within the kingdom. If you're not operating in the kingdom, that promise is not yours. It's what we miss. Oh, Jesus, I just want you to open this one and close. No, that's not what he said. That's not the keys he's given you or he's given me. That's why I told you in the beginning, this really brings it home. Your operation in the kingdom is critical to the promises of God. Right here in Revelations, Jesus says, look, I've got plans for you and the plans I have for you, what if they're open will never be shut and when they're shut, no one can ever open. What an incredible promise, but it's all connected to your activity, your operation, your participation within the kingdom. That's how his righteousness works and flows through your life. It's through the ministry of doors, of Jesus opening and closing the doors in your life that you need as you participate in the kingdom, walk in the kingdom, and experience the kingdom. So we've seen now Matthew 6.33 kind of unfold before us Seek first his kingdom. That's our priority. That's making our, our heart Christ home. And his righteousness. That's utilizing the keys of David to unlock the kingdom doors that Jesus has for us. But then as I shared with you in the beginning, and all these things will be added unto you. What a promise. What a promise. When you make Christ your home and your, his home in your heart, when you begin to look at what's wrong in the world and say, Jesus, use my life to make it right, but I only want to go through the doors that you open because I can't make the whole world right, but I need to make the part of the world right you want me to. And so the only way I can do that, Jesus, is to know the right doors to go through. And you promise when I operate in your kingdom, you open things no one can shut. And you close things no one can open. And so, Jesus, when I operate in that way, everything else will be added to me. Wow. Now let me finish with a, hopefully an illustration. These outside chairs, let's call them everything. They're everything. Let's say it's my family life and all the relationships that exist in my family life. Both in my closest level of family, throughout my friends, this is just all relationships in my life. Anybody have any relationship problems? If you don't, you don't have anybody in your life. Because every one of you sitting in a chair is a problem. 
And so is the guy standing behind this uh, table. So you can't have relationships without having problems, all right? Let's get real. Amen to that? There's a lot to deal with in relationships. Rife and I can tell you, after 30 years of us in this, most of the time, Rife, I've spent time praying, crying with people. It's usually at relationship issues. Now, here's the next one, finances. Nobody has financial problems, do they? You folks got all the money you want, need? Never have any struggles trying to figure out where's it going to come from? Where's it going? Am I making the right plans? Future. Any of you high school students who walked across this stage having questions about your future? I'm 52 years old and just started a new future. <laughs> It doesn't stop after high school. We got family. We got our future. We got finances. Anybody have any struggles? Anybody have any dark moments and wrestling with the problems of life? You see all these things. Now, here's the temptation. I call it musical chairs. I sit in, I'm not going to sit in them because it's too hard to get up. That happens with age too. But I, I may come over here to my future and, I, and I, I, I wrestle with it and I deal with it. Oh, but, but, but wait a minute, then I got to get over here to my, my family because there's all kind of relationships in my life and I'm, and I'm going to move to this one now. But good grief, I can't, I can't get away from family, relationships, finances, future problems. And I spend myself just ragged going from one to the other. All these things in my life, I'm dealing with each one. And I'm going from chair to chair, from situation to situation, running, 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 running. Trying to take care of all these things. And, and I, I create this lie or myth in my life. There will be this season where all these things will work together and I'll get them finally all fixed. Oh, I just got out of high school. They'll all be fixed. Oh, laugh. Someone laugh for these kids. Come on. Well, well, when I get out of college and I get the first paycheck, well, then comes the bills. <laughs> well, I get all the kids out of the house. Somebody laugh at that one. There's always these things. There's no season of life where they take care of themselves. And you say, that's not good news. No, it's truth. And truth is good news. Because you know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. Jesus never wanted you to chase us around. Jesus never wanted you to play musical chairs. But there's a chair in the middle. A chair in the middle. Remember, make your heart a dwelling place for Christ. Here's what we have to do. Sit down with Jesus right here. Lord, I'm tired of chasing this. I'm tired of trying to fix all this stuff. I've run myself ragged. I'm getting nowhere. I'm chasing my tail. It never stops. 
So Jesus, I want to seek first your kingdom. I want to sit down with you. I want to make a home with you. And Lord, by faith, I trust you to take care of all these things. And then as I begin to do that every day, I get more and more comfortable with Jesus. I get established. Remember that prayer? I get rooted. I get grounded. I begin to feel the height, the depth, the breadth of the love of Christ. The fullness of God begins to be realized in me. And then something begins to happen. These things begin to be taken care of. And doors begin to open. And then I start to walk through the doors that no man can close. And because I've been sitting with Jesus, I know the ones not to go through. And as I walk through these new open doors, they're new seasons of life, adventure, fresh feelings of the Holy Spirit. My life is in tune with God. The kingdom is coming from heaven to earth through my life. Do you see how the kingdom connects to your life? How God wants you to operate within the kingdom? Look, you can chase all those things your life. It'll never stop and you'll never win. Or you can finally sit down with Jesus and take him at his word and wait for the door to open. For the door to open. And when you do, and by faith you begin to walk through it, it's when it gets fun. It's when it gets good. Not easy. But it's where life becomes abundant and full and rich in Jesus. I finish with a personal testimony. I'm a Baptist preacher, so we finish a lot, okay? They're used to it, right? Okay. That's one of the things about Baptists. We eat and we finish sermons a lot. <laughs> but I really gonna try to finish it. I've lived this, folks. This has been my life. Rife knows this. He's been with me in this journey. But I've been working the mission field for 20 years. Moldova, Ukraine, Romania, Serbia, Spain, Austria, lots of wonderful places. And year by year, I got more and more passionate about the call to missions and the church in Robertsdale was demanding and the mission was growing and was demanding and I felt pulled between two worlds. And I knew that God was calling me towards missions. But man, that's an unknown for me. I've been pastoring churches for almost 30 years all my training and education and preparation was for pastoring and leading churches and doing churches. But the whole time I began to realize that, Lord, you may be leading me in a different direction. 
Lord, are you leading me to missions? Am I to give my life to this? And you know, when you got young, I had young children, my children were growing, we were in a church, you know, and the idea of just stepping out of that into <laughs> complete unknown wasn't easy. We talk about it as pastors and we preach on it, but man, it's a whole nother deal when you start thinking about, is this what you want me to do? And more and more, I began to kind of chase those chairs around, if you will. Pastoring a church, my family, the mission work, the decision, do I stay in the church and keep doing both and everything, which there was a, a certain level of comfort to it in the sense of security, of knowing financially and other things were always provided for. Or Lord, do I step out and, and follow you into this? And folks, it was uh, just a lot of wrestling. And Rife and my pastor friends helped me wrestle through it. And there got to be a time where it just almost became overwhelming for me. Working at the church, doing the mission work, struggling with the decision of all of it. And then I realized I was... I was chasing chairs, trying to kick down doors. And I wasn't at ease and I wasn't at peace. And I practiced what I preached and said, Lord, this isn't mine. This is yours. You called me. You promised to take care of everything for me. I went back to my senior year, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added into you. I said, Lord, all these things are driving me to fear to anxiety so I began to sit down and the Lord said Jeff you sit you rest in my presence and when I open it it won't be shut and when I shut it you're not going to go through it but you're only going to know if you do this and that's what I did COVID hit, it got crazier. Lord, you're, you're wanting me to make this transition into missions when the whole world shut down? Especially the places where I'm going? And he said, yes. I said, when, Lord? I said, you'll know. Sit, rest in my presence. I connected with my friends. I prayed, I rested, I sat, I waited. And at the end of 2021, I knew it was time. The Lord said, now, step out, take off, no turning back. I've opened it. And in 2021, at the end of 2021, been praying through it for seven years, been walking through it for seven years thought maybe this year, this year. I fretted, worried. I, I played a lot of musical chairs until I finally just sat down, rested in the presence of Jesus and waited. I go to my church, people. And, folks, this is a total step of faith. Church takes care of us like you take care of your pastor. It's the way it's been my life for 30 years. We don't have a lot of, in fact, we don't, we don't have money sitting in the bank. Savings, pastor's not a lucrative uh, journey, but it, God takes care of us. But this was a pure step of faith for us. 
And it's also a step of faith to go and talk to a church and tell your leaders, uh, I need to step out and follow God and answer this call and step into the mission field. So I'm going to need to move on from pastoring. But you folks have got to help me do this. And I had my first meeting with two leaders. And the Spirit of God fell. Rife prayed for that meeting. I called Rife before I went in and said, Rife, pray for me. And the Spirit of God fell and said, Pastor, we've been waiting on you. Because we knew that God's been doing this. Then I had to go to the next meeting with about 14 leaders. And the same thing. And then we had a beautiful transition from the church. And I'm launching into Kingdom Bridges. My work is in Moldova and Ukraine. This is December. In January, Russian troops surround Ukraine. Pastor, did you make the right decision? I said, I made the right decision because it's God's decision and there's no doubt. All our friends in Ukraine and Moldova, don't worry, Pastor, they're not coming. They're just going to stand in the outside and try to scare us. They've been doing it for years. There's no way they're coming all the way in. But I'd already made the decision. God had already opened the door. We'd already kind of launched into it before the Russian troops ever got there. And they did, as you know, full scale. Straight into Ukraine, straight for Kiev. Missiles hitting all over the country. Our partners in Moldova receiving refugees. People said, boy, you, you launched this at the wrong time. I was like, no, I launched it at the perfect time, at the perfect time. Let me tell you what happened. 20 years of work I've been working in Moldova and Ukraine. A church in the southeast Ukraine, we had a partnership for five years. A church in the center of Moldova, we had a partnership with 20 years. I know hundreds of pastors and people in Moldova and Ukraine. And the moment the war broke out, all of them start calling. Pastor Jeff, we got 7,000 refugees coming through our city. Pastor Jeff, we got 3,000 refugees that need to be housed in the center of Moldova. The church in the Ukraine, we've got supplies. What are we going to do? Who's, who, who's going to be here to help us? And I said, well, guys, you know, God in his timing has just freed me to fully work with you. And then we started building a network. And the guy at the border where 7,000 refugees were coming a day was my best friend and my first translator on my first trip in 2001. And God had favored him in business and he had a factory, employees, and a shipping and distribution center. And he ran the entire operation and we supplied him with food and things to take care of those 7,000 refugees a day. Then the church that we partnered for five years in Ukraine called and said, we're one of the few places that's not being bombed and we can act as a ministry center for the entire region of Odessa in the Ukraine. And then my buddy who's there 40 miles from them with his factory says, we can send everything to him. 
Then my longest standing partner and friend, Alex, opened up their church as the largest refugee center in Kishinev. And my newest friend, Jan Mirian, uh, has all the Baptist Union churches in Moldova opened up for 4,000 people. Was God on time? Yes, he was perfect. He was perfect. Now, I would have never wanted a war to cause this. I'd never want to be a part of that. I hate that it's happening. It's terrible. I spent 16 of the first 21 days of the war in Ukraine and Moldova serving and working and looking at those folks and helping them and loving them. But I can tell you that the moment all that converged at one point, I realized God knew what he was doing every step of my journey. Every time I was sitting and waiting, every time I was praying and wondering, every time I was stressing and fretting, even when I was playing music, God was in control. And he was orchestrating this for the perfect time and the perfect moment. And when he unleashed it and he launched us, everything converged at a moment where it all came clear. And teenagers, even to a word that I heard when I was your age, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And so we're off running Kingdom Bridges. I leave in two weeks to do my first really extensive mission work. I'll be there for two months. Appreciate your prayers and support. Love you, Destiny Church. I've known you through your pastor for a while. And I really do pray that your life is connected to the kingdom, that you operate within the kingdom so that heaven will come to earth through your life. And look, it doesn't have to be overseas. That's the journey God's led us. And truly, we need more people of that happening in Baldwin County. So don't think any further than what you see than when you go out these doors. Because if it doesn't happen there, it'll never happen anywhere else.